what was I thinking naming a podcast this? Your health is your wealth. This can open a massive can of worms, healthy worms of course, and it can go in so many different directions when we talk about health. When I started making notes on this one, I realized, shit, I could write a whole book (laughs) and not a book from an expert's perspective, just from beliefs and experiences. So I changed my direction a little bit and just decided for this one, I'm just going to speak my mind on a couple of areas and speak mostly from experience and my beliefs because every human is different and there's no one size fits all when we talk about health. However, there are many things that do work for all humans that a lot of us aren't fully tapping into or respecting. Things that I speak about a lot on here like breathing, like your sleep routines and sleep quality, like your mental and emotional tool belts, things like movement, so not necessarily hardcore exercise, but movement as medicine. So that's what I mean when I refer to health. I'm tapping into all of those different areas. So hopefully this episode just gets you thinking a bit differently about your health because as we know, as humans, when we think differently, This can make us behave differently. It can change your habits, your choices. Maybe begin to change some of your beliefs. Now, I'm not a health expert and don't pretend to be one. I don't even know what a health expert means. (laughs) But I work with and have worked with many different professionals from so many different areas of health. Now, you don't have to believe what I believe. And you don't have to do what do I do? That's actually not the message that I'm trying to get across. But I would highly encourage you to be brutally honest with yourself when it comes to your health and just ask yourself if you're nourishing this all-important area of your human experience. My health is actually my number one core value, my physical, mental, and emotional health. I'm always making choices in alignment with that as my number one core value. Actually, almost always. But it hasn't always been that way. People assume that it has always been that way because I was an athlete and then I worked in high-performance sport. But, nope. I've certainly made some poor investments with my health at different times in my life. And I'm not just talking about a night out partying and drinking some alcohol here and there and eating pies and kebabs occasionally. Yes, I'm guilty of having long stints in my life where my health certainly wasn't my number one priority. It's my number one core value now because I believe that if I don't have my health intact, how can I enjoy life to its full capacity and get the most out of each day? And not just about the now in my life and the near future, but for the rest of my life. I also believe that my health is what allows me to live congruently with my mission and purpose and allows me to continue my impact. So there's some of my beliefs and why it's my number one core value. But like I said, it hasn't always been that way. Well, I haven't always lived in alignment with it as my top core value anyway. That's what I mean by that. Actually, it wasn't until I did the work and actually identified and understood what my values were and then really understood what it meant to actually live in alignment with my values, that's when I also started being so passionate about health and well-being of all individuals, not just my own health. 
just so happens that that's around the same time that I started my mental strength coaching and on the journey into being a well-being educator and moving away from just being in high-performance sport and just working with athletes to now working with all humans. And here's something I often see with the work I do now, and this is part of the reason why I'm so freaking passionate about health and well-being, especially as I understand more and more how detrimental the long-term effects are for all of us. So I often see and work with things like people rich in business, but poor in health, or earning a great income as an employee, like as an engineer, salesperson, CEO, or, or tradie in the mining, mining industry, for example, but not living a healthy life, or they're experiencing depression or high levels of anxiety. Or I see people really fit or strong, but not actually healthy. And some prime examples of that are recent guests on the show like Anthony Minicello and Melissa Ambrosini when they spoke about their experiences. Or I see people who are super kind and quite happy in life, but experiencing a lot of health issues. Or one that really grabs my attention. Parents who have decided they'll be the best parents for their children. So they do so much for their children, which is beautiful but they neglect their own health and put themselves last. Or I see people who are making a lot of unhealthy choices, but aren't actually experiencing any health issues yet. And remember, when I'm talking about health here, I'm referring to your physical, mental, and emotional health mostly. So with everything that I've read out there, do any of these situations sound familiar to you? That final category was me. I've always been a super happy, optimistic lover of life, but I've made stupid health decisions consistently for periods of time in my life, like partying a lot and eating shit foods, lots of processed foods, etc. And not just on some weekends, but I've been through periods of life where it was most weekends when I was in my early and mid-20s. But... I didn't have any health issues while I was doing that. I didn't get sick much. Maybe because I was still exercising a bit and making relatively healthy choices midweek. Well, I thought I was making relatively healthy choices anyway. It was a fun time of my life. I definitely don't regret it. And to be honest, at that time of my life, if I heard someone sharing the messages that I believe in so strongly and that I share on this podcast and the work that I do, I wouldn't have been ready for it. I was doing fine in my mind, no health issues and absolutely loving life. And I always had in the back of my mind that I knew how to pull the reins in when I needed to. Now that I think about it, that was a period of my life where I guess I was kind of waiting for my tsunami to hit and give me a shake up. I didn't know that at that time. I didn't know that that's where I was heading and what I was probably waiting for, but reflecting on it. It makes sense. I'm so grateful that tsunami didn't come in the shape of a health scare. But I know many people who it did come to in that form. Some people close to me suffering mental health issues, in fact. I've also had times in my life when I thought I was eating healthy. It was low-fat everything. Low-fat milk and yogurt. I was having tins of tuna, thinking this is great, that's really healthy food. 
packet pasta, processed sauces, vegetable oils, fruit juices, muesli bars, etc. All these things that I thought was pretty healthy. And, you know, at that time in my life, I was actually afraid of fat, to be honest. There's some of these periods I went through when it was low-fat everything. In my beliefs, fat was the devil. I know now and therefore believe that good fats are essential and I have heaps of them and when I look back at all that low-fat stuff I was having the amount of extra sugars and processed crap that was in there to make it low fat it's it's kind of kind of scary (laughs) look I still make poor decisions these days with my eating and with my health but they're very mindful and they're very limited like of course I still have a sugar binge sometimes, but man, do I regret it. (laughs) I still drink alcohol and I still get drunk on the odd occasion, and I'm okay with that. Is that me living incongruently? Well, if you really pick it to pieces, partially yes, because I'm not actually nourishing my number one core value in those moments. However, when I choose to drink and get drunk on the rare occasion and it's with quality time with family and friends and I'm having that little bit of a binge mindfully, I'm kind of still tapping into other values. I'm not trying to justify it here and I don't recommend that anyone does. It's really about if you look at it in terms of what are you putting most time and energy into? You know, when I look at it and think that, okay, partially I am living incongruently. I'm okay with that. In those small moments, I'm still nourishing those other core values of mine. Even tapping into the thing like gratitude and love in those moments. I've got mentors and friends who don't drink and will only stray away from the 100% healthy aspects maybe 1% to 2% of the time. And I fully respect them for that. But that's not me. Marie and I kind of have this 80-20 rule. I actually think it's probably more 90-10, but 80-20 sounds cool, where we allow ourselves to relax and ingest a bit of that stuff that we know isn't all that great for us. But we only do it limited. I'm, I'm very mindful to be tapping into my core values almost all of the time. But once again, I haven't always lived that way. You know, here I am just sharing my thoughts and my beliefs in this episode. And I was thinking about my grandfather the other day and when he had a heart attack many years ago and had ongoing heart problems, everyone was so surprised because he was so fit and healthy. He swam three kilometers every day of the summer, ran a few times or more in the winter, did gym every second day all year round, enjoyed long walks and an active time, an active life. Fit, yes. Healthy, well, he might have thought he was and thought he was making healthy choices. But if he was alive today and I was able to inform him about what I know about gut health and the gut-brain connection and the basic facts around the detrimental effects of the standard Australian diet and the so-called healthy foods, the ones on the supermarket shelves getting the heart ticks and the health star food ratings... I think he'd be shocked at his so-called healthy eating. Actually, 
there was an article in the Guardian newspaper recently referring to a study on the Health Star food ratings. And part of what it said was Australia and New Zealand's Health Star food rating system has been dismissed as flawed in a new study because salty, sugary and fatty products are scoring too highly due to loopholes in the system and unhealthy items often avoid carrying the labels entirely. That article went on to talk about the vested interests in the system, which in fact is a very muddy rabbit hole in the food industry in most countries. I've linked the this study that I'm talking to into the show notes of the episode if you're interested in reading more about it. But it's it's highlighting to me how much we're exposed to what or our beliefs are shifted in the wrong way even in that regard. It's, it's such a confusing world. So my grandfather ate a lot of fruit with fruit yogurt, the fruit yogurt with the healthy heart tick. That's high in sugars. He drank a lot of orange juice. That's high in fructose. He ate a lot of honey. It's supposed to be healthy, right? That'll give you insulin spikes. He ate a lot of bread, but it was brown bread and grains. Thought to be healthy. Not so great for many reasons, especially eating a few pieces every day or more. He drank a lot of milk because he thought he needed the calcium. Mm, Drinking a lot of milk, not so great. He ate healthy muesli bars and snacks. Healthy with the heart tick, healthy with the, the words healthy on them. Once again, full of sugars and other nasties from, uh, from, from the processed foods. He used margarine and vegetable oils because they were led to believe that they were healthy. That's far from the truth with all the chemicals and bleaches added to them to make them have a sh- longer shelf life, etc. And to, to shift their taste. When my grandparents passed away... We were emptying their cupboards and we were shocked and disgusted to see how much medication they were on. So many pills for blood pressure, pain, nerve conditions and so many that we had no idea that what they were for. And here we were and the community were thinking that they were quite healthy. If they were so healthy, why were they on medications? Because their understanding of health was to see the doctor and trust what the doctor tells you. What does the doctor usually tell you? Take this medication. Here's a script. Does that sound familiar? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not here bagging out doctors. I've got mates who are doctors and we need GPs and medical specialists. Of course we do. What concerns me is their lack of training. So this is about the system. It's their lack of training around human health and well-being from a functional perspective and looking at the root cause of the problem, not just giving prescriptions to solve what's going on right in front of their eyes in the moment. I believe the doctor's education is not based around a healthcare system this way. It's a sick care system. Treat the sickness with pharmaceuticals, not treat the root cause through ensuring you're tapping into the basics of what the human body needs. Sleep, sunlight, movement for medicine, wiping out sugars, processed foods, vegetable oils, etc., 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 all these things. 
Let's say if your breathing is triggering your helpful and healthy hormones in the body, which is what efficient breathing does. You've heard me talk about that a lot. Or could the doctors say, is your breathing causing your heart to beat faster, which is raising your blood pressure, spiking your stress hormones and adding to your challenges? Yes, breathing efficiently can lower your blood pressure. This is a known fact and part of what I teach from the proven science and the practical elements in my well-being programs. To breathe efficiently is to invest into your health. How can doctors cover all this when you have a 10 to 15 minute consultation with them? Once again, I'm not bagging out doctors here. I actually know that I have doctors listening to this podcast. They've reached out to me before and thanked me and enjoyed it. So I'm not bagging out doctors, but I believe, once again, it's just my belief, I believe the sick care system is fundamentally flawed. Just a little tangent here on beliefs too, so you know where I'm coming from. As I said, these, these are just my beliefs. Everyone has their own. But how often do you question why you have the beliefs you have? And how often do you change your beliefs? Just a word of warning. Your actions and habits, the things that you do in your life, you do them because of your beliefs. Some of those beliefs you will be aware of, but most of them, are just hovering around in your subconscious mind and you're acting from those beliefs without even realizing. My beliefs around health and well-being have shifted dramatically because of improved knowledge, experience, coaching and teaching so many people with health issues and continually learning from mentors and learning from the world. So going back to the doctor aspect, I see world leaders like Dr. Mark Hyman and many other doctors shift from working as general practitioners and handing out prescriptions. I see them shifting to becoming functional medicine practitioners and working on the root cause and the body as a whole and they get better results. There's a reason why the Cleveland Clinic, which is one of the world's most recognized hospitals, there's a reason why they built another whole wing onto the their hospital for Dr. Mark Hyman and his team of functional medicine practitioners because they explored and saw that the pharmaceutical approach is not necessarily the best approach and the results these functional medicine practitioners were getting with human beings were life-saving and long-lasting. Long-lasting without needing ongoing medication. (sighs) God, I told you this topic can open a whole can of worms. And let me just say that I truly believe in the medical system for its benefits of emergencies and a lot of chronic illness and many other things. Once again, I'm not bagging out the doctors, but I don't believe we humans are designed to get it to a certain time in our life and just keep revisiting the doctors to get medication to help us function. It doesn't make sense. I see way too many people invest most of their time and energy in their work and their social lives, but not in their health and guess what catches up to them that's right and maybe that's where I was headed with the path that I was on for that party period of my life maybe it was ready to catch up to me so is it too late to make a change if you do be brutally honest with yourself absolutely not it's never too late 
we can change the way our body reacts internally to the damage we've done. And, but I'm not saying we can all prevent illness and disease completely or completely reverse the damage we've done. But we can certainly minimize the ongoing destruction that we might be doing to ourselves. And there are a lot of things that we can reverse. Once again, the big open can of worms. If you think about it like this, if you haven't heard of the blue zones, Google the blue zones. So these are the pockets around the world where large chunks of community are living the longest and with the least disease and really healthily. And they've studied these zones and come across some commonalities. And when you really look into it, a lot of the commonalities are around the movement is medicine aspect, community and being around other people, eating real foods. They're not even exposed to all the processed crap that we are. So there's a lot of other things as well, but you look at that and think, okay, so they're proof in our day and age that if you do respect what it means to be a human, then you will live healthier and longer lives. And I get it. Not all of you want to live till you're 110 and be running when you're 110 when I do. But even if you think of 80, even if you only want to make it to 70, don't you want to enjoy your life up until whenever that time is? That's how I look at it. In regards to our mental health, just a quick touching point before we finish up, because once again, this could open a big can of worms. And I think I might actually have to do more segments on your health is your wealth. So if you are interested in hearing more about that, uh, just let me know on this topic. So I was thinking about some of the guests who I've had on the podcast that have a lived experience of mental ill health. Like way back when we talked to former Australian Wallabies player Clyde Rathbone and his depression. Like TV and radio host Osher Ginsberg, and even Dr. Happy, who we've had on here twice, who still experiences depression at times. When you hear them speak about their mental health, they don't say, do this and do that to make you feel better. They're speaking as lived experiences and saying things like, well, this is what worked for me, but everyone is different. However, in actual fact, Dr. Happy speaks from experience, but also speaks from the perspective of being a psychologist and helping a lot of people with mental ill health too. And at the time of this recording, I've just finished talking with Alan Sparks, the Deputy Commissioner of the Mental Health Commission of New South Wales. He has an amazing lived experience and now creates proactive programs to ensure that people are proactively preventing mental health issues which when you hear his episode it's quite it, it aligns with what I'm going to here so what intrigues me with most people I hear speak about what helps them cope with their mental illness and to help them get better or just to help them get through those tough times some of the commonalities are improving their nutrition prioritizing exercise and movement and of course surrounding themselves with positive helpful empathetic and compassionate environments that's just a few of the commonalities but that's going back to looking at what it means to be a human and respecting that 
When you look at all the research that's coming out around the link between our gut health and our gut-brain connection and how the vagus nerve is the central communicator and the links between mental illness and poor gut health, it's no surprise that those commonalities are the things that work. And we're just at the forefront of our day and age of what they're discovering about this gut health and gut-brain connection. But research after research is finding all these links. And it's no longer just a theory. It's proven facts. If you're interested in these articles, Carl and I have been sharing them on our social media pages. And if you're on my email list, you would have received some of them there too. Because I want to get it out there. I want people to understand and, and acknowledge and be really aware and accept that this link is reality. It exists. But we didn't learn about this at school. We're not taught this when we leave home and it's time to shop and cook for ourselves. The TV and radio commercials and billboards and magazines aren't flooded with this information to help us understand and warn us against the long-term, and short-term actually, health dangers. It's a bloody, noisy, confusing world out there in all domains. And I believe the area of health and what it means to be healthy is one of the noisiest. That's part of the challenge. So, if your health is not one of your top core values in your life at the moment, I get it. I've been there. I have no judgment towards you about it. But I would love for you to consider nourishing your health more. Understanding it can improve your mood, relationships, energy levels, your overall quality of life and enjoyment of life for the long term. It's what we're here for, to get joy from life. And if you're experiencing challenges, physical, mental or emotional, just remember, you're not expected to solve everything on your own. I believe my health is my wealth because if I'm not healthy, I'm not impacting. And I'm not the best father, the best partner, the best friend I can be, or even the best coach and teacher. When you believe your health is your wealth, the actions that you take will ensure your investment is paying great dividends and not declining in interest every day for the rest of your life. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.